0: Amen. Amen. amen, amen, amen. You may have a seat. You know, in everything that has happened, and I'll go through that so everybody knows what we're talking about, um, I have not um, I've not cried much like I thought I should, right? There's been a lot of times in the last two months where I felt like I should be crying right now, either tears of thankfulness or tears of toughness. And um, I just haven't, for whatever reason, I just haven't, until this morning at 8 a.m. when I'm walking off the stage and they're singing that song about the goodness of God, and it just hit me, right? It's just amazing, the, the gift we have as a church, um, the worship team that's able to bring us and how God works and will meet you in worship. Um, it's been a beautiful morning already before you even got here. Um, and I haven't, uh, I haven't been with you guys since uh, Christmas Eve, so I hope Christmas went well for you. Anybody get any stuff? I know that's not the point of Christmas, right? But I hope, uh, I hope you did well. Uh, anybody get any, like, uh, video games? When I was a kid, even a teenager, man, that was like, I would just, just get a game and just play it to death. And I, and I want to show you, and it's going to, young people in the room, don't judge. All right? I want to show you a few minutes of a game that I just spent so many hours on. Anybody remember Sega Genesis days? Come on, come on. If you still got one, they're amazing. All right, but uh, we're gonna, I found this on YouTube, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk you through it. About a minute of this, that just that music gets me ready, right? That's, this is real deal Evander Holyfield. It was a boxing game, and it was awesome because today, you know, you got, you got all the customization, but check this out. You can change, you can decide if you're right-handed or left-handed, give yourself a name. And then you can, you know, this all we just—you had to look right before you beat somebody up, right? (laughs) So you could change your hair color, your skin color, your trunk color, all of that. Like that's almost more important. Like you got to look good, and be ready to to go. So, um, in the music, the soundtrack is obviously top notch. If you can hear that, right? Um, So you would uh, you would have a whole career. So it was like real life for me. Like I, is how much money I made today, mom, in my in my boxing career. I didn't know that it was right. So you would kind of progress through the stages and. Check out these graphics. Check out this dude down here kissing this woman in the front row. And then what do you know? He's over here too. He's still kissing her. He's, he's in every corner, right? And then this is the best part. This is how they started every, every match. Box, right? Just remember that box. And then you go and you punch and you do your thing. We're not going to watch much more of that because, you know, we're, we're not here for all that. But you see the head and the body down there as you get hit, right? It starts to turn gray, kind of morbid, right? But and the more it gets gray, the more you're about to go down. So here's the key. If you ever play Evander Holyfield, y'all mind if I sit down? Okay, good. Um, the key is, in real boxing and in that game, the key is body blows, right? If you hit somebody in the body, they wear down really quick, right? And I'm just gonna, this, this is better than it's gonna sound, all right? I'm just gonna be real with you, church, this first Sunday that I've been here of this new year and, and where I believe God's taken us. Um, I feel like I've been taking body blows. All right, that's just where I'm at. Um, and I'm, I'm okay, and we'll get to that in a second. But I, I, I just wanted, that, that game made me, like I feel like, you know, like that, that place, the reason in boxing you wanna hit somebody in the body is it wears them out, makes them wanna quit, right? Takes their heart a little bit. And I haven't lost heart, praise God. Um, and I really hesitated to, to do this this morning because I don't want, you know, this church isn't about me. I just think for you, those of you that are a part of this church and love this church and are figuring out if you'd like to be a part of this church, this is a really important background for you to know kind of where we're at as a church and really where I believe God is taking us. I hope we're going to connect some dots today. So I need you to know kind of the journey we've been on, all right? So um, allow me to share that with you. Some of this you know. Some of this may be new. Um, took a sabbatical, a 13-week sabbatical this summer. Uh, God led me to that. Our leaders were amazing, and it was really good for my soul. Um, it really, in ways I never knew were coming, it, it prepared me for what's happened since then. Um, so it was, just, it was just a good time of refreshing for my soul and for my family. Well, two weeks into um, sabbatical in June, we would just gotten going in sabbatical, maybe not even two weeks. Uh, my youngest son, I have three kids. My youngest son, Eli, um, comes downstairs 4 a.m. and he's experiencing pain that he's in his back that he's really struggling with. And we're uh, trying to talk him through it. And just, it's just a different kind of pain than, than I've seen on his face. We end up going to the emergency room with Eli, and, and he's, his pain is getting worse. And, and some of you have been through that in way worse ways than I have. But there's nothing like, as a dad, like seeing your, your kid in pain and you can't do anything. Right? So they won't give him any medicine because they have to scan him and see what's going on. So he's in that place of just in the worst pain I've seen any of my kids ever in. And we can't do anything for him. And it just get it does something in my stomach of like, you know, just like, I, I can't stand seeing him like this. Thankfully, um, they figured out what was going on came back and said, he's got a kidney stone. I was like, who's, who gets kidney stones at 15, right? But he's, he's always been a unique child. So he's always, he's always setting records um, and, and ended up, uh, but it, for, for those moments where he's in pain and they couldn't do anything for him, man, it just, oh, it's hard to see. Um, he's fine now. They did. They want to do all the follow-ups because he's so young to make sure. Dude's got to drink some more water. That's the bottom line. Um, but he's good and prognosis is good. But that was uh, that was heavy and hard. That was in June. All right. Um, I came off sabbatical. My first week back in September. Um, my oldest son, who was uh, 17 at the time very first uh, basketball is very central to our family life and what we do together, what we enjoy, A ton of memories. And Jackson, <clears throat> going into his junior year, very first practice, um, goes down in practice and um, helping him off the floor. And he tells me what you don't want to hear if you've been in the gym. He says, I heard it pop, right? And it's like, no, no, no. So we're praying, no, no, be not be that. And it took us forever. It was really difficult to get into an MRI and get an MRI read in any kind of timely fashion. Turns out it was an ACL, and he's, the doctor looked at him and said, you're not a basketball player for the next eight months, right? So that's his entire junior year. Now, not, not the worst thing that can happen to a kid by any means, but for us as a family and, and for me as a dad, probably struggled more than him. Um, just even, you know, as we, as we go to games and he's not out there and he's going through rehab, and again, he's, he's doing well. Um, and if you know Jackson, he's he's there. He's cheering on his teammates. He's going to practice. He's going to games, knowing he won't play this season, and and trying to impact his teammates from, from there. But um, even even that surgery, October 26, when he had his surgery, they uh, they couldn't get they couldn't get the EIV in right, and it just it was hard as a dad. I just felt myself like clenching up, like just like come on, how hard this can this be? Get the IV going and the surgery was supposed to take two hours ended up taking longer and i'm in the waiting room and i'm just not doing well i just feel so clenched up of like what is happening like what you know ended up um surgery went great and he's gonna make a beautiful full recovery and god is good right god is good god is good that was october 26th um two weeks later Uh, Two months exactly from today, uh, November 15th. Um, I I don't remember much from this morning, but my wife tells me I kind of fell out of the bed and she realized that I was having a stroke, called the uh, 911, the ambulance came and they rushed me to emergency surgery to remove a a blood clot. that was two months ago uh, today, which is why when i when i if you're new with us, which I see just it's so good to see some of your faces that bring so much encouragement to me to look at you and then some new faces. I want you to know what's going on. that's what we're referencing is this medical event in my life um two months ago, which has been um, which has been hard in all kinds of of ways but but God is good in it um, that was November fifteenth well You know, when your dad has a stroke, um, it can affect you as a kid. So we've seen our kids kind of work through their own um, fears in this. And um, I mentioned my sons, my daughter, um, Mia, um, also in her junior year, um, she was having some issues a couple weeks before Christmas. And we took her to her primary care. And they said, you know, it could be related just to, you know, anxiety of everything your family's been through. But let's, let's check her heart. Right, so they do a chest x-ray to make sure she's good and check her blood levels, all that. All that comes back, thumbs up, um, which we're so thankful for. That was two weeks before Christmas. Well, the week of Christmas, like right, f- six days before Christmas, the same doctor calls and my wife and says, um, hey, we were looking at that x-ray and we, we're, we're concerned um, about your daughter's heart maybe being slightly enlarged. And we want her to cease all physical activity immediately, but she'd been playing ball since the last appointment. But it was like, we need her to stop until we can get her to a cardiologist. So we're trying to get to a cardiologist immediately. And we get to one Thursday before Christmas or Christmas on Sunday, right? So this is the 22nd. We get a morning appointment to get the, and the doctor. The cardiologist comes in. He's telling us like the x-ray doesn't really tell us much. You can't see like the gold standard is an ultrasound. That's what we need to know to see if there's really anything going on. Um, and I was like, great. So that's why we're here. And he's like, well, we don't have an ultrasound scheduled. And I'm like, that's, what we're, that's why we're here. And he said, uh, to get an ultrasound, I said, we need an ultrasound today because she's worried and we're going into Christmas. Like, and he said, oh, to get a same day ultrasound, that would be a Christmas miracle. And I was like, that's all I needed to hear. We, we pray for that. <laughs> so grace of God, we got a uh, ultrasound in Garner that day um, to, to check her out. And they said, we'll do our best to let you know how things go in the morning. I was like, we, we need to know tomorrow, Friday morning. We need to know. Um, and they said, well, we're closed Friday and Monday because of the, the holiday, but we'll do our best. I didn't know what that meant. So that Friday morning after her ultrasound on Thursday, we're just, we're just waiting. You've been there, where you are just waiting for something to pop up on the phone? Oh, it's miserable, right? Just waiting to get a call. I don't turn my phone off. I got my phone, I do some, I had some Zoom meetings, but I said, hey, I may have to answer my phone. If the doctor calls, like, I'm going to take that call, and we got nothing. And then we're trying to reach out to them, but they're not open. There's nobody there because it's Friday and Monday around Christmas. I was like, man, I just don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to go into a Christmas. I want, I want this to be out of our heads, but we don't have control over that, right? Um, and it's, I'm thinking about my daughter and her heart, and it's just like my stomach is just so clenched. I just, I just need to know that she's okay, and we're putting it in God's lap, and... Um, That afternoon, about 2.30 in the afternoon, my wife got a message through the portal with the doctor, and it was a cardiologist being, I love a doctor who's clear, right? Hey, no abnormalities, no issues, fully cleared, nothing to worry about. Her heart looks great on the ultrasound. Praise God. Yes. Um, So we got that news the day before Christmas Eve. So then Christmas Eve was a big deal because it was the first time for me to be back up here and, and share, and it was a beautiful it was a beautiful Christmas Eve service together. But I was, um, I was back here in the green room on Christmas Eve, and I hadn't felt like that since I was a college I was so nervous. I was shaky. I just said, I, I was like, what is happening? Right? And I think so much from the week and just the, can I do this? And um, figuring that out, and, and God was good. And then Christmas was an exhausting, beautiful, long day. We, we, and I use this word, we opened an ungodly amount of presence in our family, extended family. It was a, it was a great day, right? That was Sunday, Christmas. Monday morning, December 26th, my wife wakes up with some weird symptoms in her body, and she's doing what we're not supposed to do, right? Googling your symptoms, right? And she's, she's um, getting more nervous the more she sees, and uh, I'm not, able to do anything or go with her she ends up saying, I need to go to the emergency room they're starting to know us on a first name basis at this point Um, she goes to the emergency room and they're like we just you know it could be a result of everything you guys have been walking through um, but you got some symptoms we need to check your heart so they need to do an ultrasound on her heart so I'm texting I'm laying in the bed texting with her okay they're gonna do this they said they had to check my heart ultrasound Um, And they'll have results in a few hours. So I'm just like checking my phone for text. I just need like the thought of something. If you guys know the Joneses, right, Kelly, she, like, she can't, there can't be anything wrong with her because we'll all fall apart, right? Um, I say that with a smile, but not really. We will all, we would. Um, And uh, I just need her to be okay. Um, And we're, she's nervous and I'm nervous and we're just praying and waiting for three hours waiting for those like you know how long um does it take to get just tell me and uh, finally get this beautiful text that the the guy the doctor had come out heart looks great no issues send you to your primary try to figure out maybe some vitamin deficiencies who knows but it's nothing wrong with your heart nothing major praise god praise god um so that's where we've been the last few months and we're still here we're still standing. We're actually, actually, we're sitting. I want to be standing, but we're we're sitting. Which, but we're 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 here and we're trusting and we're believing and we're um, we're getting we're getting better. I can't tell you how much better I feel today, this morning, than I did on Christmas Eve, right? Even this week, God has done so much, right? I feel like I've I've kind of I'm I'm I've I think there's an anxiety message series coming this year because God is teaching me so much because I haven't really walked that, that path. Um, but even, even this week, learning like what to do and how to bring that to God and what that looks like, I feel like, you know, the body blow, like, I feel like um, going all back through those things, like my body, my, my stomach got clenched up and it's had trouble to unclench, you know? And this week we started to see some of that you know, fade away and, and so thankful to be here. But this is not just about me. I did not come to church. just want to tell you about everything my family's been through. It's, it's bigger than that. When you talk and look through our staff and leaders of Relentless Church, 2022 was rough, right? Even going back that, you guys need to know kind of our background of, of what we carry. Probably the, the hardest thing that, that we've ever walked through, not probably, the absolute hardest thing we've ever walked through as a staff Uh, was 2019 our worship director Seth who's up here he and Stephanie um lost a beautiful baby girl Chloe stillborn um and that was just so hard in the fall of 2019 to to lose that baby and then um that led us kind of right into the pandemic and and they've been walking through that grief that never truly ends if you've ever had to walk that that road um And then Seth has had some issues with his heart that he knew um, was surgery was coming one day. But what we didn't know that would happen during my sabbatical last summer. So amidst all this other stuff in August, they said we need to do this surgery to repair a leaky valve in his heart. So just among staff, I feel like we're kind of like young, healthy guys. We're having brain surgeries and heart surgeries, you know, just between Seth and I. So he in August, he had a successful heart surgery to repair that valve. He's still recovering, recovering well, praise God. Right? Um, Raf and Joy, um, not medical issues, thankfully, but um, <clears throat> two of our staff, um, they, they, between the two of them, they added four kids in 2022. Can you believe that? Raf and, and, and Misty gave birth to a precious baby girl, Nina, and then adopted a, 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 a four or five year old girl, Penelope, as well. Um, and then Joy, one day, was a single woman. The next day, she was a single foster mom of two kids under five. Overnight, right? As she walked that path of foster care and God blessed and walked in that. But in both of those situations that Raph and Misty are walking through today and that Joy has been and is walking through, if you know foster care and adoption, sometimes it's not not super clean. It's been really hard, right? It's just been hard, right? And uh, takeisha our other staff member has had her own struggles and and again not just staff if you look at the key leaders of relentless church um key uh people that, that i think will be future elders in this church they've had really hard stuff in 22. in fact what i'm saying is if if the the staff and the key leaders kind of the inner circle if i put them all in a room and we go around the circle most if not all will say 2022 was the hardest year of my life. Right? So what do we do with that, church? Um, All these things, you know, it's definitely... 2022 was the hardest year of my life. Um, Is that coincidence? Are we all just, like, having our hardest time at the same time? Is that random? Because to me, it seems targeted. It seems... Strategic, and I don't say that to scare you, right? But I, I just, it just, I don't, I don't think that many people can have that much stuff happen in the same time period, and not us as a church say, man, what is, what is happening? What do we do, right? We gotta, we gotta do something. Our, our New York folks, we got a lot of New York folks in Second Service. they are like this. My my mom um, was born in White Plains, New York, and. Um, the story I'm about to tell you, she's with Jesus now, but the story I'm about to tell you was before she was following Jesus, so give grace. Um, but my mom grew up in New York before their family moved to Charlotte when she was you know, 10 or 11 years old. And my dad grew up in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. So we were growing up, me and my brother, who thank God for my brother who came and preached for us last week when I couldn't. Um, he's 18 months older than me. And we had a kid that was bullying me, that's the younger brother, in the neighborhood um, it was no big deal. Something happened, and we had a family meeting. So me, my brother, my mom, and dad, we sat down, and like, okay, here's what's happened. And my mom said, um, here's what we're going to do. You're going to invite this kid over to throw football in the backyard. You're going to play keep away. You're going to get him in the middle, and then you guys are going to jump him. <laughs> and she was as serious as could be, and dad was like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how we're going to handle this, right? But that was uh that was her plan all right um and her her heart was like this has happened to us we're not going to do nothing right and I feel like some of that rising up in our leaders in our church like we're not going to do nothing we got to fight back right church we got to do something um and I think and if we don't know you're about to I think we know how to fight as a church right I think I think God wants us to grow in that and how we fight and actually fighting and and doing something. We know we don't wage war as the world does, right? There's this amazing text in Ephesians 6 where God gave through the Holy Spirit this to Paul to a church and meeting in Ephesus. And and it's it's on the screen here um, where he starts, I think... Yeah, he says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor. That's military terms. If you're about to fight, this is how you fight. You put on the full armor of God, right? So why? So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, right? Now, how much power does the devil have? Like the scripture tells us that that God is still sovereign and control over everything, but he is scheming against us and he comes at us in all kinds of ways. We see everywhere Jesus went, he attacked evil spirits and sickness and different things. like That's a part of the scheme of the enemy is to come at us mentally, physically, emotionally in all kinds of crazy ways. So we got to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And then I'm not going to read all this to you. Um, you can go study that for yourself. It'd be great homework for you. But it's, it walks us through the armor. It talks about feet being fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, meaning everywhere we go this week, you're ready. You got, you got shoes on that are connected to the gospel of peace. This is a world desperate for peace, and we take peace with us. As part of our fight, is we take with us. We're ready to share the gospel of peace. We're ready to introduce people to the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus, right? It says we have a belt of truth around our waist, right? It keeps our pants up, right? It keeps us right. The belt of truth. We have a source of truth that is absolute, a truth that does not change, his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This church is built on that truth. It isn't changing. It won't change. He doesn't change. His truth doesn't change. Culture changes, right? His truth doesn't change. That's We commit and stay committed to truth no matter what is happening around us. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. If you know about battle, the breastplate, so you don't take an arrow in the heart, right? This protects your heart. This is what we talked about a lot last year, soaking in your standing, this is being reminded on Sunday morning and throughout the week. You are righteous because of what Jesus accomplished for you. He gave you his righteousness as a gift. That's what he accomplished for us when he came. We celebrated the birth. He came and he died and he rose again. And that allows us now to be righteous. We, he gives us his righteousness. He took our sin and offers us to be righteous. So it, we have to dwell on. That's how, part of how we fight. It talks about the helmet of salvation. Your brain you got to protect your brain. You got to walk. If you belong to Jesus, you got to remind yourself constantly, I belong to him. I have been saved. I have been rescued, chosen, and adopted. I am his, right? He saved me. I can't save myself. He did for me what I could never do, and I stand in that standing. I am saved, right? Free from sin, death, and hell. It talks about the one offensive, all those are defensive weapons. The only offensive weapon he gives us is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? When we preach, that's why I hesitated to give you all the family and staff background because we got to get to the word. That's our weapon. That's our sword. That's how we do damage to the evil that's coming against us is with the word of God, digesting it, meditating it, preaching it, singing it, reading it, studying it, memorizing it. That's our weapon. And then it gives us the shield of faith, which it says is able, check that, it's able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. He's shooting arrows at us, at our faith, right? And it's our faith that protects us from his attack and his schemes. And it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's, It's not against people. It's against spiritual forces of evil. That's real. They exist. There is spiritual forces of evil and an evil kingdom that is coming against the church that is coming against the multi-ethnic church that's coming against the gospel right and that's not bad news because the gates of hell will not prevail we know who wins we know who is greater right and how we access it so he goes through that whole armor of god here's how you fight church and then a one more piece of the armor he doesn't connect it to any armor but after that section the next section and Ephesians 6 says, and pray, right? When you don't know what to do, you pray. You pray in the spirit on what? All occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, right? Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You pray for each other, church. And then he says, pray, Paul says, pray, pray for me that I could declare the gospel fearlessly as I should. So when, when, you got, when you're in a fight and you don't know what to do, Right, you put on the armor of God, and then at above, this is kind of like the the foundation. He kind of ends with, and all that stuff. You're praying your tails off, right? So I believe that God is calling us to pray like we've never prayed, right? Here, here's here's the goal for 2023 that Relentless Church would become a praying church, right? Now you may be like, whoa, we don't pray. No, we we do pray, right? That's not an accusation. I know you pray right? I was so excited last week. The reason I wasn't here last week is because January 1st or 2nd, I got COVID, right? So I was so mad, right? Because I was ready to like lead this message, like it's been in me and it needs to come out, right? And then I got COVID and my brother was good enough last minute to drive up from Winston and and preach for us. Um, But I needed to get this to you, right? That God is calling us. He's going to use what was meant for to mess us up, Right, this really hard year, he's going to use us to become a church that is a praying church. What does that look like? What does it mean to be a praying church? Again, we do pray. We pray together when we meet, do a, a two hour staff meeting. Often, half of that is praying for each other, praying for you, and just we, we, we do, our leaders pray. We got a lot of praying people in our church, right? So, what am I talking about? I'm talking about getting serious, I'm talking about spreading that out, and I'm talking about getting organized and mobilized as a praying church church. I'm talking about praying in the service together. I'm talking about getting to the place where if you need prayer on a Sunday morning, we got people ready and excited and trained to pray you up, right? We're going to become a praying church. It's going to change, right? Um, The the early church, the the book of Acts in the New Testament is all about how the church kind of was born, right? Jesus didn't just come to die for us and raise from the dead and defeat death, he came to then start this thing that we call the Church of Jesus that is advancing and taking ground. This multi-ethnic church that started 2,000 years ago. And it says in Acts 2 that this early church was devoted to a few things. They were devoted to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, to the apostles' teaching, which is a way of saying scripture. And it says they were devoted to prayer. How do we become a church that's devoted to prayer? Very simple. By having a bunch of people that are devoted to prayer. Colossians 4 uses that phrase. It talks about, to a church in Colossus, it says, be watchful and be devoted to prayer. And a few verses later, it's on the screen. uh, Paul talks about this dude named Epaphras. I call him Epap, because we're tight like that. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. So Paul's saying, hey, there's a dude that's praying. He's not just praying, dear God, help him. He's wrestling. You ever wrestled in prayer for somebody? Like I'm wrestling. Like it's, 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 it's heart and soul. I'm focused. I'm not distracted. I'm fighting on your behalf in prayer because I have faith that God hears and answers prayer. I have no doubt. And I've, I've even been told that scripture's been brought to my mind from some of you. Some of you have let me know. I have, some of you have been wrestling in prayer for me and my family. It's so humbling to know that, to know I'm sitting here able to think and preach and function today because you love me so well in your prayer closets. Everyone should have what I've had these last two months. And everyone doesn't. There are people in our church that are going through stuff this every bit as hard as what we've been walking through and nobody's wrestling in prayer for them because we we don't know we, we don't have a great system that we're going to have when you need prayer we're going to help you know how to ask for prayer and we're going to give you prayer and we're going to wrestle on your behalf how do we become a church that's a praying church we have a, we become devoted to prayer how do we become devoted to prayer we have individuals and families decide, we're gonna, I'm going to be a person, I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be a woman, or we're going to be a family who's devoted to prayer. We're going to give you ways to do that the next few weeks. Be patient with us as we roll this out. Everyone, I'm so blessed to have people wrestling in prayer on my behalf. We want to wrestle for each other going forward. We've, we've seen in our, in our little church, in our little con, we've seen the power of prayer, right? As I as I got up this morning, I've had I've I, I have stomach issues every morning. I just wake up and I just feel horrible in my stomach. And this morning I didn't feel that like I have the last few. It's just it's the power of prayer. We've seen it in us. We've seen it nationally, right? How many how many said a prayer? Don't how many said a prayer for Damar Hamlin sometime in the last two weeks? See, we're praying. We're praying, church. <clears throat> Demar Hamlin. I was watching the game. The Buffalo Bills player when when he went down. Now what we know was a cardiac arrest. Football, scary, scary moment. And I saw things on Sports Center that I thought I would never see. People stopping the broadcast to pray to God on live TV. Right? And it, and it felt like as a country, like we like what can we do? We're so we don't know what to do. So we're just going to take this to God. And we prayed as a culture, as a society for. For this young man and and if you know the the story he was uh, miraculously released he is home and doing well and i I feel like we need to go back to all those broadcasts and all those and say hey let's thank the god who answered the prayers of our country that this this man is okay right god moved in that and I, i think god is using that to remind us all like the power of prayer like i hear your prayer there's something about unity in prayer there's something about us coming together as we get going on this we're going to get a prayer list and we're going to come in here on sundays and we've all been praying for the same things and the same people there's something about that all the probably millions of people that prayed for damar hamlin and god heard those prayers and said hey america i'm still in the business of doing miracles and i need my church to lead and letting people know about the power of prayer right it was a hard year last year at relentless I shared that, but it was also a good year, right? We were blessed. Many of you that I'm looking at in this 9 a.m. service, we didn't know you a year ago, and God brought you here. We're so thankful. People got saved at Relentless Church in 2022, right? People changed. People got transformed. People have more faith today than they did a year ago. God was good. How much will change in 2023, church, if we become a praying church? How could it not absolutely change everything, about how we come in here on Sunday, about who we're praying for, who we bring with us, about how we treat each other, how we love each other. What's going to happen in your life if we throw some relentless devoted prayer at some things you're struggling with, right? That's where we're going, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's not just prayer. It's also care, right? We have a prayer ministry that we're going to be starting and a care ministry that we're going to be kind of revamping and making sure because we don't want when you're going through stuff and we've been so cared for we just haven't been prayed for not to minimize prayer because that's been everything but we've been prayed for we've also been cared for i felt so supported and loved in so many ways by this church there are other people in our midst that need the prayer and the care that we've received so we're going to get organized with how we pray and care for people right some of you are like man i don't pray much it's weird for me to talk to god right we can help you with that but some of you, you're, you're ready to care for people, right? So we would love for you to consider this morning, before you leave, you're going to get an opportunity to, to join a prayer team, and then in the next couple of weeks to join a care team. We'll tell you exactly what that looks like so you know what you're getting into. But um, they go together, right? We don't pray for people and then, you know, hope you're okay. We pray for them, and then how can we care for you as we pray for you? That's what the church does. It's been doing it for 2,000 years, and, and we can get so much more organized and mobilized. We're hoping some of you will help us with that. How in the world are we going to be a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement if we're not a praying church, right? We have been a church that prays, but we haven't been a praying church. You understand what I'm saying, the difference, mobilization, organization? Let's, Let's do this, all right? The gospel, right? The gospel is the incredible news of our rescue and adoption, right? And if you're here today and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, if you're like, I don't know if I trust him or want to follow him or if I even believe in him, you're at the right place. We're a church that has a heart for what we call untold and unconvinced. Like, well, what do I do with a message about praying? Well, just know our prayers are gonna help you see who God is. Your prayers can help people's minds be open. There are people in this room that follow Jesus today that five years ago, 10 years ago, they were like, I don't even buy any of that. How did that happen, right? The power of God, right? We are not ashamed of the gospel, the power of God that, that helps people come to him and be saved somebody in your life that you dearly love might get saved in 2023 because of the gospel and it's going to be a, attached to us praying for people that don't know Jesus. Prayers move people. They change people's minds. It's, God works through it. So we're going to focus on the gospel. We're going to keep focusing on forever. Right? We're, to, we're not going to miss the preciousness and the shortness of this life. right? We know. And, and, and when we get to the next life, we're going to see My my fear is, we're going to be like, man, we could have done so much more if we would have built everything on prayer, right? On that side of heaven, you know, where my mom and dad are, I think they can see the power of prayer in ways that we could never imagine. We're not here that long, y'all. Let's let's do the most powerful, use the most powerful weapon God gave us while we're here, right? And become a praying church. We're forever focused. We're a multi-ethnic movement right? This is a special weekend for a multi-ethnic church, right? As we, as we celebrate what has been done, right? And God gets glory and credit, right, for the civil rights movement, for a multi-ethnic church existing as we celebrate Dr. King as a, as a culture, right? I was, I was made aware of this book by a professor named Louis Baldwin. The name of the book is never to leave us alone the prayer life of martin luther king jr it's a great quote from this book it says prayer was king's secret weapon in the civil rights movement right that that all that was accomplished like it was some of you were alive in those years but where the civil rights movement started for where for where it went over the next 10 to twenty to years like the chances If you put Vegas odds on us being where we are today back then, like it, like it, you can't get through where we were. Right? And there was so much fear, there was so much threat, there was so much opposition. And Dr. King talks about just being scared and just pouring his heart out to God in a prayer that changed his life where God met him in those fears and it gave him the strength to keep going. And it was, it was according to this biographer or this book, it was the secret weapon in the whole movement. Right? As a multi-ethnic church, that's got to get our attention, right? that we wouldn't have seen the victories that were won through those years without prayer and God behind it. Right? My parents grew up in a largely segregated school and, in most ways, culture. Some of you grew up. Some of you are, lived enough years that that was what you remember as a kid, a very segregated culture. Right? We're not. Right? My kids are not growing up in a segregated culture culture but what what i grew up in was a spiritually segregated culture right we don't talk about spiritual segregation enough right for most of the 240 whatever years of this country the mass majority 90% of it we were spiritually segregated i don't think we understand culturally and spiritually how damaging spiritual segregation is right all the all the bias and all the racism that 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 we sometimes just continue to see on earth, it goes back in many ways. It can't exist if, if it wasn't for spiritual segregation. When we worship God separately, when we grow together, when we pray segregated, right? It just reinforces right, that we're different, that, we don't, that we're not one, that we're not the united family of God that Scripture says we are. So how do you overcome that? You got to be in a prayer group. You got to be in a small group. You got to be sitting in rows. You got to be serving together with love from Jesus. You got to be serving in the doors or in kids ministry on worship team. when, When we start, what we don't, what we don't have any idea the fruit of in our country. We have no compass. We have no. We can nothing. We can go back to, of what happens when we integrate spiritually because it's never happened in the history of our country. The multi-ethnic church is the answer to that. The multi-ethnic church movement is 20 or so years old. And what it's doing is it's attacking and eliminating spiritual segregation. Young people in Relentless Church, they will grow up and they won't know what, it doesn't make sense to walk in a church where everybody looks the same. That's weird to them, right? Because spiritual segregation is ending. Now, just like integration of schools and all kinds of other things, came with so much strife and opposition and problems, and the secret weapon of Dr. King was prayer, right? You think we got a shot of spiritually integrating churches without prayer? We will fail and fail miserably if we try to do this on our own strength, right? I know that the enemy is involved in racism and and segregation. I know that for sure. But when you talk about spiritual integration, you know he's going to get extra fired up against that and against the multi-ethnic church. He knows how much he has to lose if God's church is what heaven is and what God called his church to be. The things that society says separate us and make us different. If Jesus proves to be the one unifying thing that can bring people together from all kinds of different whatever, the things that society says should separate us, God unites us through You know how powerful that is. You know how desperate our culture needs that today. We cannot attempt to be the church God called us to be if we're not a praying church. There's too much gonna be coming against us, right? Dr. King had a secret weapon, right? We have a secret weapon, right? It is not clean and easy to become a multi-ethnic church. All that's in our culture, all that's in our news feeds, all that's everywhere, there's so much in our heads that helps us think that i can't be brothers and sisters with them because of whatever there's so much opposition if we don't pray right we'll just hurt each other right and we pray together for the unity of relentless church and not just us but the multi-ethnic churches that are being planted and sprouting up all over this country it's a movement i want you to feel a part of that for today what are we asking we're asking you to pray we'll get more detail in the next couple weeks of what to pray and how to pray um, but today, um, out in the lobby, there's a, there's a little thing on, on the sign. It's also on the screen, there's this QR code. So if you got a phone, right? Um, if you don't, um, somebody near you does, right? You can, you can take a picture of that QR code and that'll send you right to our prayer and care page. right? What am I getting into? Hey, I don't know what this care ministry looks like, but I'm ready to take care of people. And that's just on your heart, you can do that today. Prayer, you don't need to know anything. We're, we're gonna be putting prayer teams together and, and we want to know who's ready and excited to pray. You can do that anytime through the week, through the website. We'd love to get a bunch of responses today, right? We want to be a church that's devoted to prayer, which means you've got to be a person that's devoted to prayer, a teenager that's devoted to prayer, a young family that's devoted to prayer, right? And again, we're going to give you some tools and help you know how to do that. But for today, if you're ready to take a step, it's just sign up. I want to be on this prayer team. We've had some beautiful leaders step up even this week saying, hey, I want to help organize and mobilize this prayer team. So be patient with us because we're serious about this. This is the goal of the year. When we get to Christmas 2023, uh, we're going to say, praise God, we are a praying church. We're going to become this. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some work. Your step, if you're ready, is to say, I want to be on this prayer team. Right? Is that clear enough for you? All right. I'm going a, I'm to a pray for you. Would you stand up? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the strength to stand. I thank you for the strength to talk this morning. God, only you. To you be all the glory. Only your power and goodness. You're so good. You've been faithful and good all the days of my life. You've been faithful and good all the days of Relentless Church. God, we, we, we know how to fight, and we need to fight. God, we, we feel I maybe, maybe I'm not the only one that feels a little beat up. There's just been a lot. God, and I'm sure there's a hundred things in this room that I have no idea about. God, I hope there's some folks in the room that had a really good year. God, no guilt or shame in that. We praise you for that. We praise you for the goodness. Whether, Whether it was a really good year or the hardest year of our life, God, where we'd come together is on our knees. God, may this morning and this day be a inflection moment in relentless church that we look back to January 15th. That's the day things started to change. We became a praying church. God, I pray we'd be motivated to get on our knees. God, families would pray together. Husbands and wives would pray together. God, that that this church would pray for our staff and our leaders, that we pray for our community. We pray for with love from Jesus and the impact on the community this Saturday that we can have. God, that we would pray for wisdom and organization and mobilization, that we would become a church that prays and cares for people so well. God, it feels like you're using a lot of really hard things to get us focused on what we were supposed to be all along. God, I, I thank you for answering prayers for, for football player Damar Hamlin, um, for me and my struggles, for other people in this church. God, remind us this morning how powerful prayer is. There could be things in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances. There could be things relationally in our souls, in our salvation. There could be things in, our, in every part of our lives that could be completely different six months from now because the power of prayer. Help us get excited about becoming a praying church. God, I pray we would go now in Jesus' name. Amen, we go. Thank you, church. Let's go.